Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Oh, yeah. Happy Hump Day. Live around the world on the Internet at MichaelDukesShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Good morning and welcome to the program. It is the Michael Duke Show and uh, we are, oh, man, it is the weirdest winter in the history of winters. I just don't I just don't know, man. I mean, record snowfall, nine below zero to begin with, you know, first no snow, then all that, then it rained, then it snowed again. Now it's rain and snow, and then the yesterday, I mean the forty mile an hour winds and forty degrees. And uh so it's it's We'll be lucky. We'll be lucky if we have much snow here uh, in the next uh, in the next few days. So anyway, it's uh, an interesting an interesting time. Let's just put it that way. It is an interesting time. Um, welcome back to the program, and thanks for coming in and joining us today as we continue ahead. A uh, bit of a different thing. We're trying to change things up a bit for. Uh, uh, for the month going into December and going into that last this last month of the year here, uh, because you know I wanna I I wanna I don't know I I, I just I, I want to kind of a move away directly from the state politics because we are going to be inundated with it um, here shortly. I mean here shortly we are going to uh, we're we're gonna. We're going to be hip deep in uh, political stuff after the first of the year and the start of the legislative session. And so we're looking for something a little different. We're going to be talking about some different things. So this morning, uh, we're going to be talking with uh, <clears throat> Dietra McGee, who's the president of Entrepreneurial, uh, Entrepreneurial, wow, good morning, Entrepreneurial Training and Marketing. Um, and we've got a discussion um, about kids. And um, are we, you know, asking the question, are we raising a generation that's unable to think? Now, we've had this conversation before about, um, you know, accurate thought, um, you know, logic, rhetoric, reason, the triumvirate, the Socratic method, you know, what they would call a classical education and, uh, you know, people who can, uh, you know, analyze and uh, and think uh, accurately and rationally. One of the biggest problems with kids these days is that they seem to be, in a lot of ways, <clears throat> unable to think under pressure. Not all of them. I mean, we're painting with a broad brush here, but not all of them, obviously, but but some of them. Uh, and we've all dealt, you know, with with uh, that, especially if you've if hired kids or you have kids yourself that you're trying to, you know, instill that, that message of thought and accuracy on. And so... Uh, 
we're going to talk with her about it, and that seems to be one of the biggest problems. And we asked the question why. You and I were talking about it the other day, and we were um, – uh, you know, discussing the fact that maybe it has to do with uh, um, maybe it has to do with the, the in, inundation of uh, stimuli from you know technology and social media and everything. Um, you know, it's uh, you know, it's it's crazy. So we're going to talk about that here uh, in the. Uh, uh, in hour one, we're going to talk with her about how do we do it? How do we raise kids who can think quietly? How can they, you know, how can they uh, think accurately rather and analytically? And uh, we'll see what she has to say. Should be an interesting, uh, interesting discussion. In hour two, uh, State Senator Mike Shower is going to be joining us. And uh, I don't know what we're going to talk about with him yet. I really, we haven't even, we haven't really even, um, pre-planned anything. It's just, uh, I mean, I guess we'll just riff. I, I don't even care if we talk about anything political. Um, so we'll see, we'll see what happens because, and you know what, if you've been listening to the show for years, you know, this is about the time that I just like, okay, I'm, I'm out of steam. I'm out of gas. I want to, I want to have fun. I want to talk about fun stuff, food, movies, books, music, life stuff, uh, you know, because Christmas time is here, folks. Chris, Christmas time is here. Hopefully I don't get a copyright strike just for that. Um, <clears throat> anyway, uh, so we're going to be doing that. Speaking of Christmas time, if you haven't gone over to our Facebook page and checked out the uh, holiday recipe contest, well, now is the time to do it. we got some great recipes up there. Uh, but we can always have more. You can never have too many good holiday recipes. Um, and I'm giving away a bag of Beard Curler coffee and a 6 o'clock club coffee mug to whoever's recipe gets the most votes. I guess thumbs up. Um, who's winning right now? Uh, I think Bill's bourbon popcorn, uh, caramel bourbon popcorn is still. Let me look here. Uh Yeah. Bill is still ahead with 21 votes. Uh, the Bermel, Bermel, Bourbon Caramel Popcorn uh, has currently got 21 votes. Um, but uh, there's also, uh, again, uh, Reason Magazine's JD2 Chili has put chestnut sausage and apple stuffing. We've got some bourbon barbecue cream cheese um, that is, ooh, sounds delicious. Um, some, uh, nanner pudding. I've seen, uh, grandma hits bread pudding is in there. Um, red velvet cheesecake, go out there and check it out and, and then post your own recipe for the recipe contest. Um, so that we can all share in the joy. That's what this is all about. It's all about the joy. Uh, we'll count the votes on the 19th of December and then the winner will be announced on the 20th, which is our final, um, which is our final, uh, show of this year will be on the 20th of December, uh, which is a Wednesday, uh, Wednesday, the 20th will be our final day of broadcast. And, um, <clears throat> and then we'll be on vacation through, uh, Tuesday, the 2nd of January. Uh, that's when we'll be returning is on Tuesday, the 2nd. Uh, so we'll we're going to start off the year with a bang. We're going to have a Brad Keithley, Chris Story uh, Tuesday. 
the top Tuesday top three. It's gonna be it's gonna be amazing. So, um, that's our housekeeping for today. So again, go over to facebook.com slash Michael Duke show. If you want to, uh, check it out, check it out. It'll be a fun, it'll be a fun time, uh, for sure. Okay. So, uh, what do we got today? Let's, uh, I guess we'll dive into it. Uh, we got a couple of headlines that we can talk about here. Um, uh, to begin with, and then we can, um, how many times can we enter, says Denise. Denise, if you want to put four or five recipes up there, that's as many, you can put as many recipes up there as you want. All that matters is how many times people vote for your recipe. So they better be good ones. Better be good ones. There you go. Um... All right. Um, headlines, headlines. Who's got your headlines? Uh, that would be me. Um, how much time do I have? I don't have time to get into this one. We might want to talk about this tomorrow with David Boyle. Maybe we'll track him down. Um, he's talking about the most recent school board meeting in Anchorage where they decided to ask voters to build a brand new Inlet Valley Elementary School at the cost of $50 million. Um, the problem is um, they're not telling people that it's costing $15 million. They're telling you instead that it only costs $18.99 million. Um, and uh, there's a lot of sleight of hand going on here. It's an interesting article. And um, as far as for people who are watchdogs on government transparency, this seems like a prime candidate for an expose. Uh, definitely a little, definitely a little spooky here. Uh, so maybe we'll see if we can, we might dig into that story a little bit tomorrow and, uh, and talk about it uh, as, uh, you know, talk through it and see what's going on there. Um, the other big story was they uh, finally <clears throat> got a chance to interview um, the sole survivor so far of the landslide in Wrangell. And she describes, uh, she describes the, uh, experience and wow. I mean, I just, I cannot imagine. Christina Florschutz was, uh, dressing after stepping out of the shower of her upstairs bathroom when she heard a horrible noise, a very loud noise. Now she said in the past, she had heard both a tornado and a mudslide and knew exactly what this noise was, a landslide. It slammed into the house that she shared with her husband near uh, near Wrangell, um, uh, where they live near Wrangell. And she said she was tossed around like a piece of weightless popcorn before she lost consciousness. Um, four people, of course, have been confirmed killed in the landslide, a family of four. Two others are missing, including that family of four's fifth, uh, fifth uh, third child and uh, Diane Florschutz's husband, Otto. Uh, debris had been cleared from the coastal highway, but access is currently limited to people who live on the south side of the island. She said when she regained consciousness in the rubble, she was trapped between the roof of her house and debris. She said, I was hanging kind of head down at an angle with my feet up. It was fairly uncomfortable. She said she felt around and found a bag of polar fleece fabric from her upstairs sewing room. She said, right then I knew I was going to live. I was going to live. 
She wrapped herself in a piece of fleece cloth and waited until morning, not knowing if anyone in the town knew about the landslide yet. After sunrise, she was able to free herself and make her way back to the corner of the house. That's when she realized it had slid down mostly intact until it slammed into an old shop, causing the bedroom to separate and continue further downhill. Parts of it were found in the ocean. She said uh, while she was picking through the wreckage, she found a bag of large women's fleece pajama bottoms, which she buys in bulk at thrift stores for sewing projects. So she covered herself up in those and then began picking her way across the debris field with uh, high trees looking for an exit uh, to the edge of the rubble. She was eventually found and taken to the hospital. She suffered from uh, uh, some injuries, but is happy to be alive. I mean, that's a... (laughs) I cannot, I cannot imagine that, uh, <clears throat> I just can't imagine that experience and, uh, and, and just what a tragedy, uh, out there, but poof, man, mother nature, she has got no sense of humor at all. Huge landslide, huge stuff. Inexorable doom, I think is what somebody said one time about things like that. Tsunamis and landslides and avalanches, it's inexorable doom. And I just, I, I kind of hate that thought, but they're not wrong. All right. Um, we got more coming up. We're going to be dumbing, jumping into it, uh, with, uh, uh, jumping into it with our guest who's coming up, uh, again, uh, Detra, uh, Detra McGee is going to be, uh, joining us and, uh, we're going to, uh, continue on, uh, here in just a second. The Michael Duke show continues. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We'll be back with more. Don't go anywhere. Right after this. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. I'm having a problem with my volume on my recording. I don't know what the deal is. All right, we're going to call that good. Okay, good morning. Welcome back. Uh, we are in the break right now. Ready to go. See what you guys have to say. We're waiting for Dietra McGee to join us here in just a minute. Bourbon crisp huckleberry crisp. What? I'll be your huckleberry. Um, wonder where we'd ever be. What? I wonder what we ever did without ADHD Restless leg syndrome, celiac disease, IBS. Are we developing diseases to fit the drugs that pharma wants to sell to us? I mean, I think in some cases we're just, you know, it used to be that people just kind of gutted it out. <laughs> gutted it out and now everybody's looking for an easier solution. I think that's the, I think that's the, uh, the answer that we have right now. Uh, Cindy says on the 20th, we should uh, highlight what we're thankful for and share our favorite Christmas songs. We always do that. We always do that. The, that last, I'm going to tell you right now, that last week on the 18th, 19th, and 20th, it's going to be schmaltzy. It's going to be, we're going to talk about holiday stuff and traditions and things that we remember. And and uh, it there's it's going to be, 
It's a no bad news days. It's all three days is going to be nothing but fun. That's what's it. That's how it's always going to be. And like I said, if I could just do nothing but play Christmas music uh, and talk to you through it, I would. But I guess that's the price you pay when you start simulcasting on uh, Facebook and YouTube and Twitch. Uh, the radio, I've got, we're already licensed to play all that stuff. But when you start playing that stuff on Facebook and YouTube, those guys have got no sense of humor about playing copyrighted music. They are unhappy with you. Um, all right. Uh, I see that uh, Deetra McGee is uh, in the green room right now. She's uh, all ready. And in fact, uh, we are about to go check in on her to make sure that her audio is good. Let me just make sure that there's no other comments in the chat room that we need to um, do it. Uh, Brian says, my take on the ADHD quote unquote epidemic is related to the abundance and availability of media. Well, I mean, we were talking about this the other day, right? I mean, the fact that we as uh, human beings, and especially the younger kids, are inundated with stimuli, right? I mean, it's just a constant stream of, uh, you know, it's coming at you at a million miles an hour, which is a different, um, which is a different thing than what even people my age were raised with. So I think it does have an effect. Um, and the fact that the education system has kind of changed and we've moved away from, you know, critical thinking and, and like I said, the more classical education. So we can talk about that. We're going to see what <clears throat> Dieter has to say about that here in just a second. Again, uh, everything's good. I'm just going through. Okay. Uh, I think we're, uh, I think we're here. Brian wants to know, are there fresh donuts in the green room? I laid out a fresh plates of virtual donuts for Dieter in the green room. I'm hoping she's not eating the ones with sprinkles because those are my favorite. All right, let's uh, go over there right now and get things uh, started because we're just over a minute and a half away and see what uh, Deetra McGee has to say here. Let's uh, have her join us right now. Good morning, Deetra. How are you this morning? Good morning, Alaska. I'm doing well. Thank you. And you? Uh, you know what? You cannot complain. Nobody listens anyway, so why should I complain? That's my that's my thing. My philosophy, exactly. <laughs> and if you think you're fine, don't check any further. Exactly. Finer than frog hair, split four ways. That's what my granddad used to say. Um, all right, Dietro, you sound good. You look good. Everything's good. We're about to jump back into it. Uh, uh, thanks for coming on board. I'm looking forward to seeing what we can uh, what we can talk about here this morning. Uh, so I'll give you a little bit of an intro here. We're 30 seconds out. You're going to hear a ding. That ding means we're uh, going to return to the radio. And uh, there you go. We're 20 seconds out, 25 seconds out. So uh, we will uh, jump back into it here and rejoin the radio. We've got, look at that, all the banners and the fancy stuff up there. All right. Uh, so hold the line here for just a second. I'm going to mute you for just a second, and we're going to be back. Folks, make sure you like and share, subscribe, ring the bell, do all the youtube and Facebook things. As we get back into it with the old regular terrestrial radio crowd, it is the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Public anima number one. Oh, wait, sorry. Uh, enemy. Public enemy number one, which makes more sense. On the other hand, he's a little bit of a pain in the, uh, Michael Duke show. What? I am not. I'm an angel, an absolute, you just ask my mom. She will tell you I'm an absolute angel. Welcome back to the Michael Duke show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Our one continues today. 
again, kind of changing things up just a little bit, uh, kind of going uh, more the no politics route, talking about interesting things. I saw this uh, I saw this bullet point uh, uh, earlier uh, last week, and I was thinking, man, I should talk about this because this is the truth. The question was, are we raising a generation who are unable to think? You know, I mean, kids and teenagers today, they don't have it easy. They don't, have, you know, nor do their parents. Um, but it went into the question and the headline really made me think because that's part of the problem that I think that we have today is that we don't have a lot of accurate thinking. We don't have critical thinking. We don't have rational thought. Uh, we've kind of stripped away and stepped away from the more classical education of logic, rhetoric, and reason, right? I mean, the Socratic method and that kind of classical education. I've run into it myself. You know, kids go that work for you, you know, you get an employee and they're like, well, I don't know how to do that. Well, have you thought it through? I mean, you know, what, what do you think you should do? Oh, well, maybe I could do the, uh, okay, well, why don't you try that? Why do you, know, it's, and, and I know it's not every kid. I'm not trying to paint with a broad brush, but we seem to have taken a whole generation out of that ability to critically think about things from step A to step Z. You know what I mean? And, and I think there's some reasoning for that. So uh, this guest is uh, Deidre uh, McGee. She is the president of, uh, excuse me, president of entrepreneurial training and marketing. And she's got a program called Criticism Management. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about that because it also seems like nobody can take criticism anymore, by the way, because, you know, it's immediately you hate me and I want to sue you and where's my HR form. So let's get into this and talk about it. Deetra McGee joins us right now. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing great, and I'm uh, excited to be in the Alaska arena. Oh yeah, one of my uh, one of my bucket yeah. list. Well, you sound like you're from Southern Alaska, is what you sound like. You must be from Southern. Yes, sir. I'm from very Southern Alaska, <laughs> <laughs> down in Arkansas. Is actually really Southern Alaska. That is Southern. You know, although we do get confused all the time. I mean, I had people call me at like four o'clock in the morning and say, "Mr. Dukes, we know you're in Arkansas. No, Arkansas is A R, not A K." Please check your time zones. It's four o'clock in the morning here. You woke me up, but that's okay. It's uh, it is. We get uh, we get uh, Arizona. Arizona. Oh, you get Arizona quite a bit. Okay. I think AR is Arizona. Yeah. So. Well, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? So, Deetra, just I mean, accept it and move on. Exactly. You get you got to you got to roll with it. So let's talk about that because that you know what really hit me on this this um, on this bullet point uh, was that. We are raising a generation that seems to be unable to think. I mean, they can think, but they can't. It's like they can't rationally or logically think. They don't have critical thinking skills. It seems to be some one of the things that they're not teaching kids is it's more about the rote and the rep repetition and everything else. They're not teaching those analytical, critical skills about if you have problem A, uh, hey, this trash can has got ice on the top of it and it's frozen shut. How should I get it open to put the trash in it? Well, you could take it inside and warm it up. You could use a hairdryer. You could take a hammer and smash the edge of the ice. What do you think? What do you think? You know, kind of question. That was a question that one of the kids actually asked me one time. And I'm like, what do you think you should do? Um, but that seems to be a common problem that's going on today. Yes, it really does. It's it's not just our children, unfortunately. It's the their, their parents' generation also began to, it seems like, uh, accelerate. At that at that level, where uh, the the more technology, the more we had a telephone in our hands, the less we 
thought with our own minds. And so it's, it's become a, an epidemic now that it's uh, virtually impossible to get the two-year-old to give you back your telephone. And uh, the, the kids are just not challenged to think uh, on their own. Uh, part of it is our school system's requirement to have to teach to the test. And that's a whole other uh, 10-week program we could go into there. But uh, another part of the problem is, is kids are just not given any time to have some quiet time to themselves to actually explore what's inside them. Instead, they're bombarded with what's inside everyone else. And you mentioned about the criticism. That is so true. This has become the most critical uh, world that I've ever seen. And, and it seems to be everyone thinks that they have not only the right, but the responsibility to tell everybody else what they're doing wrong and uh, what yeah. they need to correct in their own lives. But if I tell you that you don't really uh, look good in pink, maybe you should wear bright red, you're going to hate me from now on because right. who was I to be so bold as to tell you what you should do? So there's a, there's this, this double-edged sword of negativity on both sides that somehow we need to find a way to combat. And I think a part of that, uh, at least as far as my work with the criticism management, uh, is to is to learn to, to view criticism and all of its little, I call it their little uh, nasty cousins, um, going along with criticism, bad temper, anger at everything, griping, complaining, carrying on about things that are none of your business. Uh, bullying even has to do with the inability to take criticism. The bully's going to give it and dish it out so that they don't get it back. Right, right. And so all of these things are, are facets of our EI, emotional intelligence training. I think we need to focus in our world more on uh, EI than we need to focus on AI. Perhaps if we spend a little more time working on us on the inside, we wouldn't need quite so much help to keep us stimulated on the outside. Right. No, I mean, I agree. And I it, again, my wife and I were just having this conversation uh, last week uh, about this. We were talking about the differences in children and how, you know, I, I was telling her, uh, you know, that I felt like the other day that I have become that old man where I'm like, those damn kids back when my day I was, you know, it was like a whole thing. But each generation is is different and especially with the advent of technology things have completely changed um, and you talked about that stimuli and taking your phone away from the two-year-old or the three-year-old I mean these people who are giving their <clears throat> their four you know three or four year old children you know a tablet where this the external stimuli is just continuing to come in and it's like we don't want kids to be bored for a minute well sometimes you have to be bored to have that internal contemplation of what can I do to make to entertain myself? What can I, you know, what about my imagination? What about some of these other things? Um, so it starts even before you get into the educational system, the you know official educational system. But it starts with that. I mean, I see all these people who are giving their kids. I mean, and now they're even marketing these kid-friendly tablets that are nothing but you know stimuli machines for kids who are three or four years old. And I'm just like, you know, the screen time has got to be limited on that kind of things because they have to learn to, in some words, entertain themselves. Yes. And, wor and work on things that are real life, not something that's animated on a screen. Give the child some pots and pans and a, and a metal spoon and it'll drive you a little bit crazy. But just watch how much fun they have with that. Right. Set them 
set them outside with nothing and let them dis- discover what's outside. How many, know, what's in the grass? How uh, many times have you gone and given a Christmas present, and they're more interested in the box that the toy came with, you know, than the box than the toy itself? It's you know exactly. They can definitely. And I have a I have a an uncle who's actually a year or two younger than me, and when he was a young boy, he got everything that his parents wanted him to have for Christmas, uh, and all he wanted was uh, a cowboy outfit little holster set and some guns and some chaps right and he kept opening and t- throwing them to the side and uh they kept giving him more and more and he finally found those and he wouldn't open anything else and he looked at him he said he was very spoiled by the way <laughs> and he <laughs> said uh he looked at them he said i told you i didn't want anything but this why don't you ever listen to me <laughs> and you know what a wake-up call for a parent if your child says yeah you don't listen to me. Yeah. And, and a wake up call that they're hungry for you to pay them attention, not pay them with toys. And right. Facebook. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, and, it, and it's, you know, it's not just the tablets, it's, you know, the streaming and the advertising and the Spotify and the phones and everything else. We live in a society where people are are just inundated with 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 stimuli and data all the time anyway. So we're seeing a lot of that. And I think we were talking about the, uh, you know, anxiety, the rise in anxiety disorders. And again, it's because people have not been taught or, you know, honed the skill of dealing with that enormous amount of stimuli. Uh, Criticism you were talking about, which is one of your your core your core uh, tenants there is the other thing. Like you said, I think the Internet has emboldened people. To, you know, anonymity, the anonymity of the Internet makes cowards bold. I mean, they will say things on the Internet that they would never say to a person's face because they'd end up at the dentist. You know what I mean? Uh, And they do that all the time. And there's that. But even then, we become so sensitive to it that even the mere idea that somehow you and I might disagree on something means that, you know, we must be enemies instead of we can't agree to disagree. We can't do the, the that la, that loss of kind of discourse is a big part of it. Absolutely, absolutely. It, it's a, a a challenge for us to figure out ways to reach uh, not just our younger generations, but all of us. Even uh, us. Um, I'm I'm older than you are, so I'm in that generation where you know we do tend to sometimes get that grumpy. Why don't they keep the kids under control? And my child would never have done this, which is a very dangerous thing to say, by the way, especially if you still have children at home. I learned at an early age not to say, well, my child would never do this and so because that tends to be the very thing that your child will do when you're in public and you can't stop them. So very dangerous um, bragging there. But what I would like to see, um, I would love to see our children being given more practical tools and ways to handle criticism that they can keep inside themselves, that they don't have to go and Google it. I don't know about you, but my husband and I are constantly saying, well, I don't know, Google it. And so we're, we're going there for our answers. And, and when we get our answers there, we don't know if that is a valid answer or not. And so we tend to accept it. And that's the way that lies get blown out of proportion and get accepted as truth. Sure. Uh, I would. One of the things we're doing with the nonprofit that uh, is a totally a volunteer venture on our part. Um, 
reaching for life. We're trying to focus on helping children learn to read better and using the written word, not on a tablet, but actually in a book. Right. And so we're giving copies of, uh, we're starting with a little book that a friend of mine in Texas wrote. It's called The Wonderful Bowl. We're getting it uh, revamped and dressed up, new cover and everything we hope to have out before the, the end of the year. And uh, it's it's just an enchanting small book targeted. It's a chapter book, so it's targeted for your late second graders, early third graders. However, our second graders are not reading up to level. Uh, I, I love the saying that from uh, beginning of learning to read until, a, until the end of the second grade, children should be learning to read. From the third grade, grade up, they should be reading to learn. Right. Well, they should be loving to read. That's the other thing. You see, I come from a family. Uh, my background is that, I mean, I was reading at a college level in uh, you know, probably in middle school. I was a very avid reader and always and always have been. Uh, and I instilled that love of reading and storytelling and learning through that way in my children. We homeschooled all our kids, so it was kind of a different deal than than most. Very nice. Um, but that is the thing that we seem to be, I mean, how many kids are graduating from high school now that can't even read at a grade school level or barely at a grade school? To me, that's a core function of teaching. And we seem to be so caught up in all these other things that they want to teach, uh, whether it's social things or you know diversity th- or whatever all this other stuff is, we seem to have forgotten that core thing of learning to learn, right? And learning to love learning. So, I mean, yes. the basis of reading, writing, and arithmetic seems to have fallen away. And then again, talking about like the logic, rhetoric, and reason, the the critical and accurate thinking that, uh, you know, the, so- the Socratic method and everything, why have we fallen away from that? I mean, that seems to be a big part of the problem that we're dealing with today. It does. And I, I think a part of our problem is for many, many years, we have had too many people with uh, the the decision-making power of what and how our teachers should teach and what and how our schools should be structured. Uh, and, and they have put limits on them and they put requirements on them that are not what need to be there. Look at how many of our upper level, all the way to the federal government, um, only four of 11 of our education secretaries have ever taught school. How can you now, now granted, you can teach something you've never done. I do understand that. And I know you can be a good teacher at something you've never done. Uh, my uh, OBGYN was wonderful, He, but he had never had a child, but he was really <laughs> helpful when I was having my children. Right. So I understand that you don't have to personally experience it. But yet when you have people making rules based on what looks good on paper, you and I know what looks good on paper often doesn't work to to any good level, right? It's uh, when the, you put it into practicality. Yeah, it's the difference between the theoretical and the practical, for sure. Uh, you know the reality of it. Uh, we're going to continue. Uh, Dietra McGee is our guest. Uh, we're going to continue to talk about uh, kids learning and criticism management. That's going to be up next. Uh, we'll be dead ahead. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. We return with more. Right after this, in Dietra McGee, don't go anywhere.
running on 100% pure beard power. Oh, also some coffee. We dip our beard in coffee. Ha, <laughs> nice beard. The Michael Duke Show. Okay, we are in commercial break. Uh-oh, she's showing me her. Oh, so this is your husband? This is this is your husband here? Yeah, I, he looks, looks. I have a Santa also. It looks like uh, he's my brother. It's a weird thing going on there. I don't know. Yes, this used to all be. Does. This also used to all be like brown. I don't understand what happened in just like the last five years. It's if I shave this beard off, I would look like a twelve-year-old boy. You know what I mean? It's just one of those <laughs> things. I don't understand the deal is, but uh, here we are. You know, doing our thing. Uh, so, Dietra, tell me, how did you get in? How did you get started with this whole thing? Uh, we we're in the commercial break, so we'll kind of break it up a little bit and jump back into it here. But how did you get started in this whole field? What was your entrepreneurial journey like? I began as an insurance agent, and I, I, my my temperament, natural temperament uh, from birth, was amiable, amiable, just people pleaser, uh, sanguine. I think. Uh, Dr. LaHaye calls it. And uh, so I, I was thrown into a man's world. I was an insurance agent at age 23 and I was out on my own. It was um, quite an eye opener. And there weren't very many women in the insurance industry as salespeople at that time. In fact, I was the only one in our New York Life general office there in Little Rock, the only female. And so I had to learn how to deal with men. Uh, and um, and criticism, because how many times does an insurance agent get criticized just because you said, hi, I'm with New York Life. Ugh, insurance. Yuck. <laughs> I could never do that. And so I learned at some point to say, even if just to myself, no, you probably couldn't. I'm an exceptional person. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just a, a game uh, that I played with myself and uh, then worked the way up. I was a trust officer at uh, Simmons Bank and trust marketing officer and thrown in with people there too. quite a bit of public speaking I had to do and putting on trainings, things of that nature. Uh, my last wonderful corporate venture was as the uh, marketing development person and the training coordinator for Stevens Insurance Services. They are a part of uh, the um, largest brokerage house west of the Mississippi, Stevens, Inc. And so I went to 22 different states, did training on that. So I learned, I, I really started developing these criticism management uh, principles to cope with life. It was just for me. It wasn't for anyone to share. And so I've been working on them about 45 years now, wow. off and on, keeping notes and just writing things to myself. Um, we were just, uh, I'm just, was just looking at your website and you are part of a book with some big names, Ken Blanchard, Stephen Covey, Jack Canfield, speaking of success, world-class experts share their secrets. Um, that's some, uh, that's some rarefied air up there. Well, it is. And, uh, can we be real honest? That was a marketing ploy. <laughs> uh, that was uh, those famous people, and they took uh, about 20 of us unfamous people and rotated our pictures on the front cover. And uh, then what was so interesting was uh, soon after it got published, we realized we could not sell it because the man that put the whole thing together had not cleared it with the powers. Uh, to, oh, no. To be able to, uh, oh, no. Oh, yes. no. 
So uh, that's, uh, you know, as I hit the road in January with my criticism management training, that'll be a freebie giveaway. <laughs> got a bunch of, ex- you got paid in books you couldn't sell, right? That was the, that was exactly. the thing. Exactly. Thankfully, I didn't buy too many of them. Yeah, but. got cases of these things. Can't sell them, but I can give them away all the time. Um, well, that's interesting. And I agree with you. You know, we've lost the ability. We talk about this on the program quite a bit. I'm a, I'm a very big fan of classical type education. And we talk about this ability that we seem to have lost in America, which is the ability to have discourse, the ability to agree to disagree. You know, I often go back and <clears throat> you look at the vitriol that was thrown around during the foundation of the country, you know, the revolution, the Tories and the Federalists and the Anti-Federalists. And, you know, they would argue and rail and <clears throat> call each other names and shake their fists at each other. And then when it was over, they'd go to the tavern and have a beer. You know, they could they could talk to each other. They could agree to disagree. Today, if right. you disagree with somebody, the next thing you know, they're outside your house wanting to burn it down because you disagree. How dare you disagree with me? Um, and even, you know, some of the most intolerant, tolerant people I've ever met are people like that who, who preach the tolerance. But at the same time, if you challenge any of their ideology or their ideas, they, I mean, they want to, they, you are the them, the outlier, the enemy. And and that just, I think that's sad uh, today. we got about 45 seconds. Yeah, it's devastating to us as a nation because we're not learning to appreciate diversity. It's a part of our problems with diversity and integration and, and racism. We should be learning to enjoy each other. Absolutely. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I think they they keep using that word. I don't think it means what they think it means. Diversity. You know, they keep using it in a way that I don't think it means. So let's uh, we're going to about to jump back into it. We'll talk about uh, criticism management and how you think this will help the kids and us. And uh, we'll continue ahead. Dietra McGee is our guest. Uh, the Michael Duke Show. Like and share. Like and follow. Subscribe. Ring the bell. Do all that stuff. Here we go. Jumping back into it. Right now. The Michael Duke Show. Seriously humorous with a pinch of intellect. <laughs> pinch of intellect. Sorry. That is humorous. Here's Michael Dukes. It's a pinch, but I have big hands. So it's, you know, it's intel- intellect. I don't know. Welcome back to the program. The Michael Duke Show. Deetra McGee is our guest. She is the... Uh, Founder of uh, Criticism Management. Uh, you can find her at criticismmanagement.com. It's a criticism management program. She's the president of Entrepreneurial Training and Marketing. Um, and she comes on board to talk with us today. Uh, we started off the whole conversation about the fact that we've raised a generation or two, even at this point, of people who are unable to think. And by think, we mean not that they can't think, but they can't think accurately. They can't think critically. Uh, and the idea is that a lot of this stems from the fact of, uh, you know, information and technology, and we're just inundated with things. Uh, but one of the big things is uh, from Dietra is she believes we can't take criticism like we used to be able to do. That taking criticism and using it is is a huge thing. So you have this criticism management. Let's talk about that. What is how does that work? What is the program, and how is that going to help us to teach people to think more critically in that regard? Well, thanks, Michael. I I think one of the key things I would like to do is to help all of us to look at criticism as not being a four-letter word. It's not an ugly thing to get criticism. 
and we can we can research the meaning of the word and even find out that it's it's something that can be very important to us. Criticism can be the most profitable tool we have. Looking back on my life, um, some of the people that were most valuable to me were the ones that loved me enough to criticize me when I was wrong. And I don't mean being hateful. I'm not defining that as a, a, as a criticism as being someone who is your critic with the intention of hurting you. There's a big difference between that and people that give you criticism. I hear so many people say, well, I can take constructive criticism pretty well. That's even tough sometimes because sometimes uh, it it if it's true, it really hurts. And if it's untrue, I think it maybe in some ways it hurts even more. And uh, so we're seeing people that, that just view that as I want to get away from it. When I started this concept and researching this whole thing, it was just for me. I needed to learn how to handle criticism, negativity, difficulties, my own self, having a kind of a, a easygoing nature and not wanting anyone to be unhappy and thinking if someone was unhappy, it was my job to help them find joy in their life. And uh, that's a very uh, daunting task to try to fulfill. So I just started thinking how, what can I do to help me cope better and be a better, a well, more well-rounded person. And that's where this whole concept came up from probably 40 to 45 years ago. And uh, it, it became a, a something that I found the more I shared with, shared with people, the more they would give me more insight into it. And I realized I'm only seeing this issue from my vantage point. So I started asking more people, well, when when you get a criticism like this, how do you handle it? Tell me about a criticism you got that helped you. Tell me about one you got that hurt you. Tell me one you're still not over. And then started developing ways for us to take every single criticism that comes to into our life, whether it's uh, positive, negative, whether it's delivered with love or hatred, Whatever we need to do, let's take that criticism, let's break it down into some usable parts, and then let's deal with it. Because until we deal with the problem, it just keeps festering within us. We have these hurts inside us that we've never dealt with. Most of us do. And until we actually deal with them and come to some understanding of how we can use it or how we can discard that and how we can keep it from harming us then it's going to be something that grows and grows. I, I don't know about you, Michael, but I've noticed uh, in elderly people many times they, um, they'll they bring up a hurt that was, you know, 70, 80 years before. Yeah. And as they talk about it, it still hurts. Still raw. So yeah, still a raw it, wound kind of thing, does. right. And, and every, every time they bring it up, they're pulling the scab off of the sore. They're not dealing with the fact that there's something infected in there that needs to be dealt with. So until we deal with it, it can't heal. It just forms a scab. And every time we remember it, we've jerked the scab off and it's even more raw and more infected than it was before. Right. So I came up with this principle. Um, I thought of of a dragon when I thought about criticism early on. I could see this fire breathing, hateful dragon that always got in the way of the princess being rescued. And so naturally, I wanted to be somebody's princess and be rescued. And so I wanted to get that dragon out of my life of that negativity and that hurt and that pain. So I named it my dragon. Criticism became my dragon. 
And at first, my title was Slay, Slaying the Dragon, Criticism Management, How to Slay the Dragon. And somewhere, a decade or two later, it dawned on me, Deetra, if you had a dragon that you could tame and use and have it be your friend, would you kill it? Or would you <laughs> be more wise to use it? Right every chance you got to let it be your friend. And so I changed the title um, to, uh, you know, to not, I don't want to slay the dragon. I want to tame the dragon. Right. That's, that's where my title changed. Um, right. And, and I see this as a, is a, it's a simple method that we can use a three-part method. And by the way, the outline is on the website you mentioned, criticismmanagement.com free. No, no charge, no nothing. Just go and enjoy it and use it if you can. And uh, use that outline then to take a criticism and pull it apart and see what you can get from that. We yeah. talk about <clears throat> on this program, we have a <clears throat> we have a self-help expert that comes on every week. Uh, and it's more for me than for anybody else. I mean, those segments <laughs> are really more for me than for anybody else. But he he is drilled down and he and I have talked about this for years that really the, the only thing we can't control our circumstance uh, to a huge extent. You know, we can't control every the only thing we can control is our reaction to what's happening around us. And whether that's good or bad, whether it's critical or you know positive, whatever it is, that's the only thing we can control. And I think that people seem to have forgotten that, that they are the yeah. only thing they can control is their reaction or their emotions are surrounding something like that. And, you know, people can be critical in a loving way, which is easier to deal with, obviously, than a negative and a hateful way. But we are all going to deal with that. And we have to learn how to adapt. And we have to be able to teach our children the give them those coping mechanisms. And I think it's just something that we're not necessarily doing. We're down to the last two minutes here. So I want to give you the floor for the last couple minutes here. And, uh, you know, your final elevator pitch to people on how to take and utilize this program together. Go ahead. Well, thanks. Um, I would say just start, check the website out, start with the outline, work through it with some criticism, sit down and, and get a piece of paper and pen and just uh, analyze this criticism you've gone through based on the steps in the program and see if it helps you. And if it does, then you can apply those to any situation that comes along. That's where I would love to see our children get more training is on critical thinking and where they can take a principle they learn. I love principles. Take that principle and learn how to apply it to other areas of life so that you don't waste that. You don't have to learn that same thing in every situation you've got that a situation that fits in these boundaries and you've got a principle to take care of it when i learned to drive it i had a lot of things on my mind when i would crank up the car the first many times but now i don't think about how to start the car where my feet go where my hands go i just do it so that's the way with criticism management it's simple but it is not easy simple is very seldom easy Right. And so we have to deal with those emotional pains. But as we as we delve into emotional intelligence and develop those skills and learn some tools to to use to make that um, a more productive part of our life, we have a better life. We have a happier life. We have more peace from within. And that's where I want my peace to come from first is from within. And that way, no matter what's going on outside, I can still have that peace and that stability. Absolutely. 
Deetra McGee, criticismmanagement.com is her website where she's got the outline for her CAT system on criticism management. You should go over there and check it out. Uh, Deetra, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on board and enjoying Thank us. Thank you so time. much. I appreciate that. I have enjoyed every minute of it, and I love your Santa look. Well, thank you. It wasn't intentional, but it is It is good, whatever it is. Uh, hold the line for just a second, Deetra. Folks, we got more coming up. State Senator Mike Shower will be joining us in the next hour. The Michael Duke Show. Be kind, love one another, live well. We'll return more with Hour 2 right after this. Well, Dietra, thank you. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I couldn't agree more. We need criticism in our life because it's correction. I mean, it's, you know, I know critique is the word, right? Critique to critique somebody. And that has more positive commentation than criticism. But they're kind of the same thing. You know, you're, you're critiquing somebody. Critiquing is more of a positive because you're telling them how to tweak something. The implication is you're teaching them how to tweak something to make it better. Criticism right. is the same way. Loving criticism is more of a critique than a criticism. But we all have to learn how to deal with those things. And quite honestly, I learned at a very young age to really, to really, this may sound bad, to really not care what other people thought. You know what I mean? Um, that do, yeah, it doesn't mean that I ignore criticism as far as that I don't take in, you know, what I can do to be better. But at some point, and I've tried to teach this to my kids. Most people are not thinking about you, although that seems to be human nature. What do people think about me? No, most people are thinking about what will other people think about me. They're not thinking about you. And so, you know, just just learn to take those things with a grain of salt. But again, there's this is a big topic because, again, it goes right back to that educational foundation of accurate, critical thinking. Can you, you know, if they say this, then what happens here? And, and it just seems like. We've lost that, uh, which is one of the reasons why I homeschooled all my kids instead of sending them to the public schools because I just don't right. I just don't trust the system anymore to teach those basic foundational skills. And Our uh, youngest son and his wife uh, homeschooled their uh, daughters in uh, New York City, in upstate New York, and then New York City after they moved up there. And I was really proud for them. But my background is. Um, my husband taught public school for 37 years, vocational agriculture. And then my daughter taught English and, and business courses for five years before going into the private sector and making twice the money. And uh, my uh, oldest son is now a teacher and coach even today. So right. uh, we've got a big invested history in the educational system and, and its flaws, but there's so much work to be done and oh yeah. Uh, overwhelming. Um it uh it it's it's fascinating. It is a fascinating uh, uh a topic, uh one that we could delve down into that it has so many components. We've basically just gone over the overview at this point. But I think it starts right. with that education, the reading like we were talking about, the love of learning. Um, and, um, and unfortunately we seem to be slipping further and further away from that. And that is unfortunate for sure. Uh, it is. Dietra, somebody in the chat room just said, do you have a favorite holiday food recipe, um, that you share every, uh, every year with your family? And if you do, yes. you should go out to my Facebook page and put it, we have a contest going on right now. 
which is posting up grandma's secret recipe, essentially, on the Facebook ah. page and sharing it with everybody. And then people will vote on it. Uh, so if you uh, if you feel so inclined, we'd love I for you to yeah, go out there and share it. It's at Facebook.com slash Michael Duke show, which is where this ah. vi- this video will also live for if you want to send people the video of you or whatever. Um, I do. I hope I can figure out how to send them there really easily. I'm not tech savvy oh just just again facebook.com slash michael duke show and it'll be under the video tab there and you just hit the share button and you can send it to anybody who's on your friends list Uh, wow great thank you there so thanks for making it easy it's been a pleasure and i'll send you my i'll send you my fig cake recipe and if you'll send me your home address i'll send you a fig cake oh man don't tell anybody i'm gonna i'm gonna enjoy that i love figs and I love I love fruitcake. I'm one of those weird people that love fruitcakes. Uh, so. I do too. Now I don't want a big slice of it. Yeah, just a little one with a nice just cup. Just a little slice, with but like nice... six of them. <laughs> just six small slices and a large cup of coffee. That would be the perfect. Absolutely. Difference. All right, and do... no cream when I'm having my fig cake. Fig cake or my fruitcake. Yeah. No cream or anything in my coffee. Oh, so good. So good. Well, Deidre, Merry Christmas to you. And thank you so you much. Too. I will reply to you and I'll send you the link in the email too, where you can go find this video so you don't have to hunt it down. Uh, thank you. And, and if I, it fits in your program, I would love to come back and uh, talk about the the book and our trying to get this in the hands, our volunteer nonprofit, uh, getting this book in the hands of the the kids the you, second and third graders you bet we'll have you back on here uh uh in the future to discuss that that would be great so, thank you so much all right Dietra, merry christmas and thank you so much appreciate it you too mm-hmm. bye-bye uh Dietra mcgee uh our guest here on the michael duke show getting ready to jump into it i see state senator mike shower is uh in the green room man this thing gets slow after an hour of running this thing just starts getting so slow didn't used to do that. I don't know why. Let's check in with Mike real quick to make sure the audio and video is good here. And uh, we'll see what's happening. I could see his video in the green room, but I can't. There it is. It finally popped up. Um, and you, you, hey, hey, look at you. It it won't. I'm trying to switch. Clap on. I'm Clap try- off. Can you hear me? Yeah, I'm trying to switch you and me. Hey, you need to take a t- tissue and wipe it across your camera because it looks like yeah, you, that's odd, you got that Star Trek Vaseline, the gals in Vaseline look, you know, kind of going on there. There's nothing wrong with my camera. Okay. <laughs> maybe, it's, maybe it's, maybe it's, maybe it's just you. Uh, <laughs> Could be. Clap on, clap off video. Exactly. That that's what it is. It worked out good. All right. Um, hello, my friend. How you doing? How's life? How's everything going well? It's going great. Can't you see? Oh, wrong side, wrong finger. Can't you see the, you know, Santa Claus? Oh, I can see the Santa hat on the caribou. It's the antlers. reindeer. That's yeah. right. It's the reindeer hat uh, on the reindeer antlers. Rudolph. Um, you shot Rudolph? Man, the ADN. Well, it wasn't me. My son shot him. ADN's going to get a hold of that. And the next thing you know, it's going to be State Senator Mike Shower hates Christmas. Um, hates oh. Christmas. Hates the children. All right, Mike, hold the line. I'm going to pull you back into the, uh, I'm going to pull you back into the green. Well, if I can pull you back into the green room, there we go. We're going to continue here. The Michael Duke show continues. Hour two. Oh, dang it. Hour two continues. Here we go. In just a moment. We'll be back with more right after this. Don't go anywhere. I'm going to reset during the top here.
put that thing back in its holster. Gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Oh, baby, live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio stations and or FM translator. Hello, good morning, welcome to the program, Hump Day, Hump Day, middle of the week, ready for that downhill slide to Firearms Friday, um, and we're feeling good, we're coming into it, it's the holiday season, it's the Christmas time, you get that feeling of mm, i love it i'm listening to christmas music i got the big yule log in my office on the tv screen you know with a crackling fire and, and everything else i'm just trying to i'm just trying to soak up all that feeling uh and so what we're doing in uh, from now until well from now until the final day of broadcast for the year which will be the 20th of december again please mark your calendar the 20th of december will be the final day of the final day of broadcast for the year um, we're just going to be trying to change things up, but we're still going to talk about politics a little bit, but it's not a, I mean, we just finished up with Dietrich McGee. That was a great interview. I really enjoyed it. I'm working on a cruise ship guest to talk about if cruise ships, if cruises are the best vacations, they say they are. We'll find out. I've always wanted to do one, never done one. We'll do a talk about that. Um, uh, we might talk to an animatronics expert about uh, the Five Nights at Freddy movie because that's an. It, I just want to talk about interesting things that are not political. Can we just do that for a little bit? Because come the 16th of January, baby, it will be nothing but wall to wall political madness here on this program. So we're trying to we're trying to enjoy it a little bit and get things done. Uh, coming up uh, right now, then to uh, to kind of further that whole enterprise is uh, State Senator Mike Shower. He's back. He's here. He's uh, he's he's actually in contact, and we're ready to go. And he joins us uh, right now to talk about. Well, I don't know. We we really hadn't decided. We're going to talk about anything we want. Dang it! And uh, that's what it's all about. Good morning, my friend. How are you? I am here, and I will start off with a hello to everybody. I thought I could chat, but I can't. It's got a link or something, so everybody's saying hi. And Brian, Bill, Terry, and and uh, Donna, uh, Melody, et cetera. Hello, everybody. Good morning. Sorry I wasn't here last week, but like I told you, I was flying. I was actually in the air during the show, so it's kind of hard to stream that. Oh, come um, on. You could do it. It's fine. You're the pilot. You could ignore that warning about turning your phone off. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Anyways, uh, I need that job. <laughs> yeah. Uh, pay the bills. But yes, no, it's good to be back, uh, especially <clears throat> I was reading your comments earlier when you start off, and I like the fact that we're talking about some fun stuff. I do want to talk about a couple things I've been reading on. I'm just we'll, we'll get to those here in a minute, but um, I – like this time of year when you and I do this because we talk about favorite movies and recipes and 
to be quite frank, Mike, this time of year, um, every year, frankly, for me, uh, is a time of hope. And you kind of get to that renewal phase, the new year and, and all that stuff. So this is probably, although I love summertime, probably my favorite time of the year because it's the feeling that's in the air, the season. People tend to be nicer. There's kind of that, uh, you know, giving spirit takes hold for a while. And while it may not be the reality that we live in all year long, it's kind of nice to have this month in here every year where it's kind of life is, I don't know, just feels a little better. And people are yeah. a little nicer, and it's uh, it's just a good time of year. I enjoy this this time. Well, you know, it's interesting because I, I often talk about this, and of course, I've been doing this show for twenty five years. Okay, and I discovered something pretty early on in doing the show five days a week. Uh, you know, two hours for several years. I did it three hours a day, which is an even it's a you know larger show and takes more time and and things like that. Uh, but I always discovered that near the end of the year. I kind of ran out of steam. You know what I mean? I just kind of got to the end of the year and it was like I was so steeped in all the political mess and the angst and everything else that I was kind of emotionally, mentally exhausted by the end of the year. And I was just like, I just need to talk about something other than what we've been talking about for the last 11 months. You know what I mean? Because uh, to talk about it and then not to see any movement on it. Is frustrating. I mean, it can be frustrating. And so this is always good. And then I also talk about the fact that, you know, some Christmases, some some holiday seasons, you feel the spirit. You know, it's there. You feel that joy. And other times it's kind of like, oh, it's not quite there. So I'm always trying to find a way to try and make sure that we're feeling that holiday spirit. And so that's why I kind of want to liven things up at the end of the year and and just change things up a bit. I get it. And, you know, sometimes you and I, even in the middle of the year, we'll do that. I don't know what, a few months ago I went off. Well, actually towards the end of the session, I think I went off on ejection yeah. stories. Yeah. You know, I have aircraft yeah. and other stuff. Cause sometimes it's just fun, Mike, to talk about something other than politics. Um, sometimes you just feel like you're spinning the toilet bowl, you know, down the drain. And uh, it's nice to, to entertain other topics because the world is not all politics all the time. Most of us are not dealing with it on a daily basis. It may affect us, but we're not dealing with it. We're dealing with life. Right. And those can be good stories. Those can be bad stories. And sometimes you got to deal with reality. But sometimes, like I said, like this time of year, it's kind of nice to, I don't know, what's a bit, what's a good way to say it, Mike? Like, it's kind of nice to suspend reality for a while. Wars, rumors of wars, disease. Here comes COVID 2024. You can already see them setting the baseline with an election coming up. And it's nice to kind of talk about good stuff and fun stuff. And I see no problem with that, um, you know, that we take a break once in a while. And it doesn't even have to just be this time of year. Like I said, sometimes we do that yeah. in other parts of the year. You know, we'll oh. just talk about bacon. Yeah, sometimes I do. Stuff. Yeah, I, I do that occasionally when I get I get I get too overwhelmed with stuff. And then it's just like, OK, today's a st the stories, but, you know, the, the good news or something like that. So, well, I let's was flying. Give you one real quick. So I was flying um, a couple of weeks ago with a guy. And we were, I don't know, somewhere in the middle of the Pacific, right? Just telling stories. After a while, you get tired sometimes, middle of the night. And he's like, tell me something cool about the Raptor. He's like, you know, I heard X, Y, Z. And I'm like, well, I, I said, I remember once. I said the first, and this is just kind of one of those where you and I sometimes just go 90 right, right? And take a um, a quick turn. But I was like, yeah, I remember once the first, um, and I think I probably told this story before, but it's just one of those real short ones. It's like the first time we did a 2v4 to any 2v real anything with the, and I say real in a training sense with the rappers, myself and another guy, we happen to be the day the two jets are ready. It's the first time. 
and we had the F-15 as a standby, well, we went out there like, well, I don't know how, you know, what, what should we do tactics wise? We're still figuring out because it's such a new jet and everything was, didn't apply from previous aircraft. So I'm like, let's just get up there and go really high and fast. <laughs> so he's like, well, how, how did it go? He's like, you know, so the plane was designed to go really high. That's what it was made for. But if you're going to take advantage of the full altitude spectrum, you got to wear a pressure suit and a bunch of other stuff that, so we don't do that. But I'm like, well, you know, I said, it was kind of cool. I said, you know, I'm, I'm used to the F-15 where, you know, you're full afterburner for, you know, 100 miles trying to get it combat loaded to Mach 1.4. You know, they say, oh, it's a Mach 2.5. I'm like, no, it's not, not combat load. No aircraft in the world is except the F-22 because it's clean. There's nothing hanging off the jet. And so I'm like, the very first time, we're like, well, let's just see what it will do. So we kind of do our standard tactic. You, you go into afterburner, you call it sprint. You start accelerating and climbing to get into weapons and, you know, engagement envelopes, all this stuff. <laughs> And I'm not really paying too much attention. The next thing I looked at, I said, you know, I'm at 60,000 feet. I'm like 15 degrees nose high at Mach 2, rapidly accelerate and go, oh, good Lord. It's like, it's like <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to break this thing. I'm above my arm. It was, bah, you know, it was bah, all, all of a sudden. So he's like, oh, that's kind of cool, you know, because he was like a Marine Hornet guy. You know, for those guys, you get 30,000 feet, it's a nosebleed. It's a whole different story. And right. he's probably going to yell at me, but it's kind of funny. Hornet doesn't fly high, uh, you know, so right. F-15 to go that high anyways. So sometimes you get stories like that and you go, it was just kind of a, it just launched us off into this whole other, like next hour of discussion. And all of a sudden an hour of droning across the water just, just went by like it was nothing because we were both tired. And I told that story and kind of woke me up and he's like, oh yeah, and this time I did, Bob. and then it, it just kind of fed in itself. Right. right. So that happy feeling that talking funny stories and stuff can feed on it. If I mention the word bacon, all of a sudden I see you kind of, you go, what bacon? <laughs> and then you're talking about your favorite bacon and this and that, and you're awake. And then it's kind of funny. Yeah. That's no, that's great. I can't imagine all of a sudden you look down, you're at 60,000 feet still going and you're like, well, I'm about to become a rocket ship. I'm about to fly into the, into the stratosphere. Uh, that's something. yeah. That's, that's gotta be something. That's gotta be an amazing feeling. It's gotta be a, a, a an amazing thing to be, strapped to a piece of equipment that is just so uh, uh especially when it was brand new i mean you're out there developing tactics for a jet because it's so brand new that had to be an amazing experience it was it was actually in some ways it was kind of freeing because you're so used to being in the structure and here's the tactics that have been around i mean i was a part of developing some of them over the years in the f-15 but you know you kind of you're within that structure and all of a sudden they hand you this brand new thing and say figure it out and as I've told people, it's not like going from an F-4 to an F-15, you know, where there's kind of a gradual transition of speed and weapons and stuff. This was like a wipe everything off the table and start over because the speed, the altitude, and the stealth were so different. We couldn't use the same tactics. And so that's why I said like that day, we're kind of going, well, what do we do? <laughs> there's a lot of days like that. We're like, well, let's try this. Uh, let's try this, see if it works. You know, we started figuring stuff out, but it was it was freeing in the sense of you didn't have the same handcuffs put on you. All of a sudden you realize like, well, you can actually turn your brain on. You can use it. You can think outside the box and it's acceptable and nobody's going to get mad at you. I remember a friend of mine that retired from the military. This was years ago and uh, we, were, we were fellow squadron commanders and he went to work for a private company. And, you know, we used to have lunch once, twice a week and hang out. And uh, <laughs> his first day in the job, he was flown out to Western Alaska to, to do a bid. And this is a guy that's a fighter pilot his whole career. He has no business background acumen. He was hired because he's a smart guy, you know, highly experienced, and they want to take advantage of that. So they sent him out there, and he's like, well, what do I do? They're like, well, you know, go put a bid on. And so he's out there trying to figure out how to bid on, like, cell tower stuff. He's like, he's never done this in his life. And he's sitting with, like, three other contract guys, and they're all, like, you know, writing stuff down on notes. And he's like, he said, after about the third phone call to his new boss, he's like, his boss goes, look, make me money. 
He's like, I don't care how you do it as long as it's legal, but make money. That's the point. And he's like, this light bulb came on. He's like, ding. He's like, oh, I can do whatever. There's no constraints. Right, he's like, right. Outside of you know, legal boundaries. It's like, I can offer this. I can try to do that. He's like, there was, he's like, it was this freeing moment. And it was kind of like that in the Raptor. There was this light bulb, I think, for all of us that came on at some point and go, we are, we have to think outside of the box. We right. can't let our past experiences constrain us on this because we're not going to take full advantage of this brand new airplane and what all it can do. It was, it was cool. It was a really interesting time. Well, they it, really, offered, it, was, it was unique and we were privileged to have a chance to be a part of it. I mean, they often say that the most dangerous weapon platform is between your ears, right? And the yeah. fact is, is sometimes you just got to be let loose to use it instead of strictures. And I mean, that was the old, <clears throat> I remember this, this is back, well, I'm going back to high school now. I remember reading Red Storm Rising from Tom Clancy and he was talking about the difference of doctrinal tactics between Soviet Russia and the United States and things like that, where the United States embraced the the, you know, adapt, overcome and improvise kind of ideal. And the Soviet bloc doctrine was you will do, you will follow by the book, you will read, you know, the 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 officers make the decisions, nobody else. It's, you know, it's very, and, and it was always the question of how would that really have played out, not just in the book, in the fictional world, but you could see how those kind of tactics and those kind of doctrines would be completely at odds with each other and how the ability to adapt on the fly, make decisions at a lower level and do those kind of things and use the old Mark One brain would be uh, would be an advantage for for doctrines that allow that kind of flexibility. Yeah, there was a Russian general that was known. Uh, he had said that, and I, I read it somewhere. Quote whatever, and he's like, you know, he's like, we have all your documents. He's like, I've read every one of your freaking tactics. Man. He's like, the problem with you Americans is you don't follow your own freaking tactics. <laughs> he's like, so we never know what you guys are gonna gonna do. And I go, that's brilliant. Because it's hard for the enemy to counter you if they really don't know what you're going to do. And by the way, if they do do something, you're going to instantly counter it with something else because you're not going to be stuck inside the system. It was a, and you see other countries have been really following the lead on that. It's kind of scary in one sense because we've taught them too well. <laughs> They've watched how successful we've been for the last 30 plus years and they're adapting to, to train and teach like we are. So, right. Anyways. Got that deal for us. Well, you you've got to give the you know you've got to give the the people who are there on the ground kind of the flexibility to adapt and uh, and uh, improvise as the situation changes. Because what you know what's the old axiom is that no plan survives contact with the enemy. You know you may have a grand master plan, but really it's just a suggestion at some point because things are happening you know down in the uh, down in the dirt that uh, you know may change the whole situation. And as the saying goes, because you're right, no no plan survives first contact with the enemy. And another part of that saying is the enemy always gets a vote. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. State Senator Mike Showers, our guest. Uh, we're riffing today. This is our coffee clatch. This is what we're Are we doing, doing good? I oh, see we're other stuff. It's not politics. We're kind of having some fun. How's that? Uh, How I know. I know you wanted to talk about some things, so we'll do that in the next segment and then we'll freewheel again in the third segment just because we 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 can do that. So let's uh, jump back into it. State Senator Mike Shower, our guest. We'll be back with more of the Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. We'll return with more right after this. Suppository. The Michael Duke Show. 
Okay, Mike Schauer is our guest here in the program. Donna says, just another day in the life of Mike Schauer. That was the, oh, my God, I'm at 60,000 feet flying at two and a half times the speed of sound. You know, no big deal. Just another Tuesday, as we like to say around here. Uh, so it's been it's been good. Uh, Mike, so what are some of your uh, what are some of your guys's uh, Christmas traditions that nobody would think would be, you know, what what's your kind of fun stuff? Well, we got a couple. I mean, every family develops their own thing, right? For Michelle, one of her things she has, and I won't say what it is because I don't you know like to give away all the family secrets, but she has like this thing she does every Christmas Eve, and it's like her thing, and it's one of those silly little traditions that kind of becomes endearing after a while. The first couple, you're like, "What? Why are you doing that?" And then after a while, it's almost like if she was to stop doing it, everybody'd be like, "Hey, where's the thing?" You know, it's like that you do every time. It's because it becomes a thing, right? So we have a Christmas Eve thing. We always like to go to church usually and do like a candlelight service. It's part of, you know, like I said, why I like this time of year, because I think it kind of resets the baseline for people on what's important and what matters. So we always try to do that. We usually have, and you and I talked about this before, I know over the years, but Thanksgiving and Christmas Day, um, we like to have a big family dinner that, you know, it's turkey and ham or, you know, whatever combination of stuff. It's the big deal around the table, the, the old, uh, uh, his it escapes me but the uh, paintings the old norman, american norman painter. rockwell yeah thank you the, the norman rockwell painting kind of like that you know having the big family dinner with everybody around but the kids and the grandkids and always try to get all the kids together and the grandkids if we can you know sometimes we're spread out working but usually we try to do that so those are the big things for us michael it's not we don't have really i mean other than the the lighting contest in my neighborhood i'm kind of a i've kind of got the uh, clark griswold thing going here it's like oh you oh, really <laughs> the neighbor like, oh Oh, I just did that this week. He's like, oh, you're going to put up that tree? Okay, well, here's two more trees for you. Try this one, pal. So we're going. Oh my God. I ran into my other neighbor, another house over at, at Home Depot earlier this week. You know, I was buying more lights, right? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, you and, and not saying names, he's like, you and X, he's like, are getting me in trouble with my wife because she's like, you don't have enough lights now compared to what they do. So he was actually go buy more lights. So that's kind I of fun. I, I like mean, it. I, I could see like that. Light I could see that as a scene from like Christmas vacation where the two of you are running around Home Depot with carts and looking at each other's carts and throwing more things in as you go by and blow up Santa Clauses and everything else. The competitive spirit is alive and well. Um, but I like that because it's fun. I love the neighborhoods that are lit up. Like I said, it's part of the season to me. I like the. You know, the kids, the grandkids love it. You know, it's just a really cool thing. And so the lights are kind of a thing for me. I do that. But um, and then the last one, we have a really and I think I've told you about this before. We have a really big fireworks display our neighborhood. But it's been getting bigger and bigger every year. We're up to like multiple three trailers full of fireworks with electronic ignition and music and all this stuff. I, I bet we had five or six hundred people here watching last year. Um, it's just become our thing. And so we have these kind of little events, you know, over the years as your neighborhood um, coalesces and you do these different things. But the real thing, I mean, for us, honestly, Mike, I think it's just family. It's really just we like the the slowdown um, other than the lighting wars, of course, slowing down and kind of just enjoying that that Christmas time with the family. Um, just I just look forward to it. Always have love to get it. Oh, we do do one thing. We go do the uh, we started that about, I don't know, like 15 years ago. We do the Christmas tree. So we, we use the like the uh, Christmas tree area up here that the borough has. Mm -hmm. um, we always go cut usually a, a couple trees down for the different families. Right. Um, strap them to the deal strap them to the top yep, of your yep, station yep. wagon and uh yep. oh wait no that's a movie <laughs> yeah not quite like that but uh, close yes yeah <laughs> back to the pickup truck yeah yeah no. that's right we love that smell when you walk inside that oh, fresh 
You know, I'm with you. We had a we had a live Christmas tree several years when we lived in Fairbanks, um, and we never went and cut them down because there's really not Christmas type trees up there. But uh, we would go get the the trees from the Kiwanis or whatever. And there is something about that smell of the fir and the pine in the in the house, and it's all what a mess though when it's done. So we've we finally gone back to the regular artificial tree, but we got a good one. And you're right, putting that tree up dressing the tree that's a it's you know that's the things you remember and uh, uh you know those are the those are the times that you laugh and and have a good time and those are definitely the enjoyable times all right <clears throat> we're ready to rejoin here we're going to give the floor to mike and uh we're going to talk about whatever it is he wants to talk about and then we're going to lighten things back up again uh on the other side the michael duke show common sense liberty-based free thinking radio like share subscribe follow ring the bell do all that stuff Let's, um, let's go. <laughs> Welcome back to the show. Okay, I mean, Mr. Smarty Pants. We were just talking about Christmas traditions and live Christmas trees, and Brian's like, well, technically, if you cut it down, it's dead at that point, so it's not a live Christmas. All right, thank you, Mr. Grinch. Thank you for <laughs> thank you for that. It's fine. No, that's what everybody wants to hear, Brian. We're going to put up a dead tree in our house for Christmas. It's great. Anyway, it's going to be fun stuff. Uh, State Senator Mike Schauer is our guest. We've just been having a good time riffing, hanging out. He did see, he did want to talk about a couple things, and so we kind of want to get that off our chest in case it goes into the political arena or anything else, and then we can lighten it up in the third segment today. But, Mike, I'll give you the floor. What uh, What's on your mind? What are you, what are you thinking about outside of uh, recharging for the yeah. year here? First, let's just be crystal clear. The tree's not dead yet. This is kind of like Monty's Python. Monty Python's mostly dead. It's mostly that was, no, that was uh, Princess Bride. Mostly yeah. dead, yeah. which means partially alive. Right, so exactly. It's not entirely dead. And if you water it and all that stuff, it will last for a while. So it may be in the process of um, exterminating, but it's, it takes it a while. Anyways, yeah. All right. So <laughs> pivoting to, I do want to talk about this because I think that. Um, and then, like I said, the rest of the month, I'm with you. I'm not talking politics anymore. If we get, if we have a chance to get on the radio a time again before, you know, whatever, uh, the end of the year, it's fine. But um, I have been reading quite a bit, some books I got a hold of um, recently. Uh, one of them's Unmasking Antifa, another one's Care Hamas, et cetera. I mean, things I've known for a long time, like these are far left extremist groups that I laugh about Antifa, anti-fascist. The only fascists are actually Antifa. Um, and they can't see the, people can't see the irony and don't know who they are and what it is. And um, what's kind of done this for me, kind of kicked me off here is, was the um, Hamas terrorist attack in Israel. It kind of rebaselined a few things as far as me focusing on that for a while, because we've been so focused on the left-wing extremist battles in this country of indoctrinating our children, the LGBT push, um, the things going on at the federal level, the anti, you know, Alaska Biden administration with, you know, just destroying our resource economy, just all these different things, right? We're, we're, we're fighting a hundred battles every time you turn, but it kind of, I don't know if, uh, re-energized my look at, um, uh, Islam and the threat that Islam is to the Western world. 
Um, and, you know, everybody, you know, there's always the apologist, right? It's like, oh, well, you know, not all Muslims are bad. I know, right? Not all Christians are good. Got it. Check the box. We can talk that all day long, but that's always trying to divert from the true problem you're discussing. And the existential threat to the West is Islam itself, and especially those that, you know, Wahhabist, um, Sharia law adherents, the ones that want to say that, well, you know, when, and I look at some of these groups, like you see pictures of, you know, LGBT members holding the pride flag or the Palestinian flag. I'm like, you do realize what they would do to you over there, right? How they treat yeah. gay. Talk about, like, talk about, tone, yeah, talk about tone deafness. These people who are waving these free Palestine, yeah, free Palestine you know flags nothing? and all that. Yeah. You're like, do you know do how you, know you would feel about the people yeah. that you're supporting? And, and the answer is they really don't, Mike, because they're not taught that here, you know, and so. Looking at a few things, I think it's important for us to not forget while all this other stuff is going on in the world, war in Ukraine, energy stuff, China's on the march of the Silk Road and parts of the Southeast Asia, um, you know, the rising debt crisis here, inflation. I mean, we have so many things we're looking at, but every once in a while we have to do our best Chimbasaki and circle back and not forget that it's more than one thing. You know, and, and unfortunately, people go, oh, there's so many things. I just want to stick your head and say, and I know it feels that way sometimes, but the reality is we can't. Yeah, I use the word existential threat for a reason, because radical Islam is <clears throat> radical Islam will never accept Israel. That's why, you know, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. What they mean is that's gaslighting. That's the the uh, dog whistle for extermination of the Jews, extermination of the state of Israel. And we can't forget that when we talk about things like care, the book I'm just I just finished, which is unmasking essentially care the Council on American Islamic Relations, that is the front. And these are books that are not just like, you know, some one author off, you know, these are multiple authors that are national level experts that have hundreds in these books, hundreds, Mike, of documentation that is footnoted for, here's why I'm saying it. Here's what this Hamas leader said. Here's what this Hezbollah leader said. Here's what this care leader said. Here's what the Muslim Brotherhood leadership said. These are their own words, their own documents, their own things. And they make it crystal clear that they are infiltrating the West. We know that, right? Anybody that's paying attention understands that. The Muslim Brotherhood, the front for that in the United States is CARE. And we have a bunch of apologists. I just read yesterday, I think, that Biden had, I think, five leaders from the Muslim, um, uh, uh, probably, well, really from the Muslim Brotherhood, if you want to really look at the, the parent organization of it, in the White House. And he was apologizing for his comments about basically supporting Israel. And I go, President Biden, you're dealing with the enemy. You're dealing with people that want the destruction of Israel. They don't want peace with Israel. They'll never accept peace. They've said it. They want to kill them. And the West, by the way, who is the West? Who's the who's the great Satan, Mike? When we talk, that's why I go back to existential threat, not just to Israel, not just to Europe, not just to the United States, but to Western civilization. It's the little Satan and the big Satan, right? Israel, the United States. They've been infiltrating this and, and reading the book and looking at their own words. They talk about the infantata and how... Their goal was to get infiltrated into the U.S. government, into the education system, into the entertainment industry, into the news media, so they could control their narrative. That's how they're doing this now. And it's actually kind of, um, it's kind of taken me a step backwards to go back and look at this. And we, like I said, I've been so engaged on the national level, what's been happening in the war in Ukraine and other things that I kind of, for a while, it feels like we've kind of forgotten that Islam is also on the march here. Many of the people crossing the border are from the Middle East. Ask anybody that will be honest with you from CBP and folks I know in law enforcement talk about, Mike, there is a tremendous number of what they call MAMs, middle, mi- <clears throat> military-aged males. 
not families coming across Middle East with, you know, women and children, but military age males and hundreds of thousands of them crossing our border and then being released. So I, while this is a, a very serious topic for what we were doing for the first few minutes, I wanted to remind people that do not forget that um, we have many threats facing our nation. And one of them is very surreptitiously working its way through um, our society. And they have a goal in mind. They're not doing it to get along with us. Before long, instead of, you know, uh, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free to be from coast to coast. You know, we're going to, you know, wipe out the Constitution, which they say, by the way, that they have to get rid of, you know, they would rewrite our Constitution or essentially destroy it um, so that they can start over, which is what Antifa also right. goes back to, because that's all communism. It yeah. goes all back to communism. Because they um, want to, yeah, they want they want to institute Sharia law. That's the that's the whole point. They want to they want to abrogate the Constitution, institute Sharia law in many of these. There's always been talks about enclaves in various cities, including Detroit and others, where they've wanted to try and institute Sharia law. That's a, I mean, that's a, you know, it's a tough, definitely a, a tough sell. And then there's the whole idea of taqiyya, which is the Islamic idea of basically hiding your beliefs in plain, you know, hiding it and, and seeming reasonable. Well, power. Yeah. Yeah. Seeming reasonable until you can, you know, execute your, your ideas or your plans. And it is kind of a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a scary, it's a scary thing for sure. It's for since that, since the invasion of Israel, I have been reading a number of new books. I got my hands on to kind of go back and, like I said, refresh myself on not just the Middle East, but Islam in general, because, it, you know, in addition to Southeast Asia was one of my areas of military, <clears throat> I guess, specificity, if you want to say that and study, um, Islam was as well. But my entire military career, Islam was an issue, right? If you go back earlier than the mid to early 80s, it wasn't really something that was on the radar much until after the, you know, the fall of Iran. But, um, you know, for me, my entire career has been intertwined with what's been happening with Islam around the world. Um, so it's, but like I said, so engaged in other things and there's so many battlefronts you can look at. I think sometimes we forget it gets quiet, whatever. And then this whole thing with Israel has just kind of reignited the fire to go, Ooh, don't forget about that one because that's real and it's there. And you saw the face of the Muslim brotherhood, which is fronted by care you know, C-A-I-R, what a name, right? In the United States, which has been funneling tens of millions of dollars to Hamas and Hezbollah and Iran for a very long time, designated as terror groups by the U.S. government at one time or another, and now being soft-pedaled by the current Biden administration as Obama did the same thing by giving money to Iran. So there's a lot of ties going on here, but, you know, you think about, Mike, the only democracy in the entire Middle East, the only country with free elections and a free people, which, by the way, even Palestinians can work and freely move around in Israel, um, is Israel. There is nothing else. Everything else is a freaking chocolate mess, dictatorship filled, third world state, whatever it is. And, and people, including many Jews in America, are left of center. <laughs> I can't. Right. I that's know. what I've never been able to wrap my mind around. I'm like, how can you possibly be Jewish and be a left winger? I just, I can't get it. So, yeah. No, it's a, it's yeah. definitely a thing. And, and um, you know, it, we, we, die, we dove into politics here and it's definitely a heavy subject for sure. Um, but we, again, just have to remain constantly vigilant. And you're right. When people are out there publicly stating that you need to die, that your way of life needs to die, that you, you need to change and come under what they believe or else, 
that is a total threat to freedom and liberty across the across the globe. And we should be paying attention to it. We we should be watching it and we should be calling a spade a spade. We shouldn't be glad handing with these kind of people. That's why I want to kind of bring it up, Mike. And when I say people, well, that's Israel. That's what's going. I said, no, it's not. That's why it ties to me. That's why it matters. That's why we as Americans should be paying attention in some form, at least to this at a lower level, if it must be, if you're busy, you know, life happens, but don't forget about it because what's happening in Israel is part of a broader strategy worldwide. And it absolutely not only is affecting us, but it is infiltrating us at every level and their own battle plan. Say it all. You got to do is read their own words and their own documents to see it. So I just don't, that's all I'm going to do now. And they said, we'll pivot back to the fun stuff next. But I wanted to tell people at the last, you know, I don't know, almost two months now, I've been kind of diving back into that for a while, trying to read a, a number of books to kind of refresh my perspective on that and what's happening here. And um, I unequivocally, without reservation, support Israel. Are they perfect? Are they sure? Of course. Do they do some bad stuff? I'm sure they do. But if you're going to compare the one free democracy in that entire part of the world compared to Hamas, Hezbollah, Iran, are you kidding me? Come on, guys. Right. ISIS? Right. ISIS? Give me a break. Well, um, and I don't see them going in and raping and murdering women and children and then live streaming it as a as a show of, of how great they are. Uh, you know, Israel definitely yeah. has their problems, but I don't see them doing and, that. And remember, 48% of, uh, you know, the Palestinian government, you know, roughly, and I don't remember the exact, I think it's 48% were you know, Hamas voted in by the Palestinians. So, you know. You can't just say they're innocent in this all. I, I know that many of the Palestinians are. And, you know, people, well, what about the Palestinians? I have empathy for them. Many of them are stuck in the middle of that, like many people in other countries in Iran that are more secular or Iraqis that were stuck under the thumb of ISIS in places, the, the Kurds. I mean, so there are always innocents in the crossfire here. And, you know, I support trying to get aid to them. I support ceasefire that makes sense for people to, to move around, do what they have to do. But at the same time, don't sit there and think that every Palestinian is uh, innocent in this either. They're not um, yeah. because many of them support Hamas and what's been happening and, and they're providing protection for them. So again, but it's, I won't circle too far down that cause we could spend hours, you know, programs on just this one thing, but um, I wanted to remind people, don't forget and pay attention to that because it's not just Ukraine and Russia. There's many other things taking place um, and Israel is kind of a seminal moment because you allow the one free democracy in that part of the world to crumble are to be destroyed, not only biblically, you know, from uh, supporting God's people have bad things happened when you turn your back on them. But um, uh, do you really want that one place that's kind of a beacon of hope over there to, to be destroyed? I mean, come on, guys. So anyways, yeah, but nope. I just wanted to bring it up and Antifa because they're here, too. And we've got Antifa cells in, in Alaska, believe <laughs> the, it or not. I the saw irony. one at a protest a couple of years ago. So the irony of Antifa, the name of the... <laughs> The irony of that is just, it's always struck me as like, wow, you guys. Uh, anyway, <clears throat> okay, there's our political dolt for the day. There are our dose. We're done with that. We're going to take a break. And when we come, we'll, we'll, when we come back, we'll uh, continue to talk with State Senator Mike Schauer. Uh, our guests, don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Back with more. Uh, right after these messages. Don't go anywhere.
we're broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on, on, the, on the Internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, uh, we're back. <laughs> we say we're going to not talk politics, and the next thing you know, we're talking politics, baby. It's just it. it we had to get the I said one. I, I you did, you did, you caveated at the beginning, and I I said we're going to have one final segment to loosen things up, and it'll be fine. But yeah, it is a it's a it's a spooky time for sure in those regards. But I will say, I read the book. I know we win in the end, so I'm at least heartened by that, right? I mean, I know, I know in the end, but I also know that in between times, it does get ugly in there. So you know, prepare yourself as best you can at that point. That's all you can do. Um, out of a rock. Could you imagine? I mean, honestly, just to go down that theological point for a second, could you imagine if all you thought this was just one great big accident, and you were magically born from dust, and then it was just over? I would be depressed. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, you know, like, oh my goodness, that's all you got. I mean, I got a rock. I got something with hope. And hope is quintessential to the human experience, you know, surviving it and getting through it all with all the things happening. I mean, I have something to look forward to. If you didn't, if you just thought you were born, you work and then you die, I'd be like, what kind of life is that? Yeah. But anyways. No, it's it's definitely uh Definitely frustrating, but it's good to know that uh, you know it's it's good to good to keep in mind uh, you know what the what the end end result is of all this and, and everything else. Um, Mike, you wouldn't tell us what the secret is on the. Uh, now I'm really curious about the uh, Christmas Eve thing, but you should encourage Michelle to uh, go out to our Facebook page and post up one of your favorite family holiday recipe. What's your favorite family holiday uh, recipe? Ooh. Oh boy. I don't know. I'm I'm looking across the table here. What would you think it is? What do I request the most? She's shaking her head like, I don't know, she doesn't want to tell me or her stuffing, Mike, has been around from day one that she starts the day before. And oh, of wow. course, we only get it when we cook a turkey, which is generally only twice a year. Right. So Mikey, our youngest, and I are like, you know, mouth. We're like, my, I was sitting here when I was saying hi. My big German shepherd came over. She was here saying good morning. And you're like, sometimes she's sit there while you're waiting to feed her. You know, you're getting her food ready and she's just staring at you. Yeah. And then she starts drooling. <laughs> <laughs> That's like Mikey and I the night before Michelle's cooking the big turkey you know stuff it's like we're kind of drooling because we can smell it in the house oh i gotta know first. now i gotta know about this two-day stuffing recipe then if that's the case because i love me from i love some stuffing so yeah that maybe it's, it's all homemade she does everything organically it's homemade and it's it's pretty amazing and this last one she just did for thanksgiving for the first time because she's been doing a lot of freeze drying now and she used a bread that um what did it have in it herb bread for the first time like a fresh herb bread not like she had like the little uh, the crumble stuff right. that comes in the can sometimes now it's all fresh and it was like it was flipping amazing okay well tell well, i know freeze dry but she uses all this fresh stuff and so it's all these sausages and all these things she puts into it and like i said she starts it the night before well it's got to be in the turkey because it's stuffed in the turkey and then it goes to the gravy and all this and it's just like oh so, well tell her she's amazing. got to uh, tell her she's got to uh 
to post that up on the face- Facebook. Tell her, Michelle, Michelle, you have to put it on the Facebook page. You've got to go out there and share it with people so that they can vote on it. And uh, and you might win the you might win the recipe contest with that. And then everybody gets to share your brilliance. That's the thing. Oh, she's laughing. OK. <laughs> yeah. You're not one of those. You're not one of those people who are like, oh, it's a secret recipe. I can't share it. Right. Because that's just the. No, no, no. That's no, just no. the dumbest thing. I mean, I you know, I love the grandma. Oh, don't ever share this recipe. Why? Why shouldn't everybody have the joy of this deliciousness? It's amazing. Um, you think so, she agrees? Thumbs yeah. up. Thumbs up. Okay. Well, we expect to see Michelle Shower's recipe over there on the Facebook page here shortly. Then, so <laughs> she's looking at both of us right now. She's got come, one eye at both of us. Like, oh, really? come on! It's not that big a deal. So you have a turkey both on Thanksgiving and on Christmas. You don't do like a turkey and a ham or something, or we do turkey and ham because we kind of like both. We, you uh, know, if I was to say there was one war in our family, which is our fun little war about it, it's the war between mashed potatoes or rice. And oh. it is an, yes, it is. It's an absolute war. And I am right because it's mashed potatoes and gravy. This whole rice thing, I don't know where this is coming from, but there is this battle line of infiltrating. Speaking of infiltrating our country, they're infiltrating our family with rice as opposed to mashed potatoes. So I demand that we have mashed potatoes. So we have a war between mashed potatoes and rice on Thanksgiving and Christmas dinner when we make that. So right now we've settled on a compromise. We're at the armistice of 1918. It is we have both. Yeah, so we have both. I, hey, I'm a fan of both. I'm a fan of both things. My daughter made these amazing scalloped. Well, she made mashed potatoes, which were amazing, uh, like a garlic mash, sour cream, garlic mashed potatoes. But she also made scalloped potatoes with fresh Parmesan and sharp cheddar cheese. It was just, oh, so good. Um, and she made a sweet potato. I don't like sweet potatoes. I've made that very plain over the years. She made the sweet potatoes with cardamom, cinnamon, nutmeg, allspice. I actually ate two helpings of it. It was so good. That's how good those sweet potatoes were. Weirdest thing ever, but yes, delicious. Absolutely delicious. All right, well, let's get back to it. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Mike Showers, our guest. Let's do this thing. Oh, man, we were just talking about holiday recipes and recipes amongst ourselves during the break. And uh, somebody said, Teresa says, my friend put bacon in her brownies. She said, but they were actually pretty good. Chocolate and bacon? Yes, it is delicious. If you've never had chocolate and bacon together, that sweet of the chocolate and the salty savoriness of the bacon in a brownie. Oh, I'm down to try that. I'm down to try that. Faux show. I'm going to be doing that. Uh, Mike Showers. Awesome, awesome comments. Like I said, I normally don't do the comments. We're talking politics. It's too distracting. And there's, you know, sometimes some weird stuff. But this one is just hilarious. Mike, I'm looking at some of the the, the audience is on fire today. There's some really funny stuff. This is worth kind of watching. Like I said, I normally don't read them. But based on some of your comments and what people are saying about the food and stuff, it's actually pretty good. And everybody's 
having a really good sense of humor this morning, so it's fun to watch. Oh, Bill Brock! Bill Brock just said, "I've made bourbon bacon brownies. Wild yeah, turkey. Wild turkey has a recipe on their website. I am all about that. We're gonna have to try that too. Um, yeah, I, I do want to remind people because I forgot to mention earlier. Tomorrow on the program, Laura Edson is going to be joining us from Alaska Employee Benefits to talk about how you can get health insurance if you don't have health insurance." It's not as hard as you think. Um, I've invited her to come on. Laura's been taking care of my family for 15 years now, um, and she has got a lot of expertise on that. And so I wanted to bring her on since it's near the end of the year and open enrollment's happening. So we'll talk about that tomorrow on the program. Uh, all right, Mike. Um, uh, perhaps it's easier to talk about what doesn't go with bacon, says Gail. That's true. It's probably easier to figure out what bacon doesn't pair with. I'm thinking because there isn't yeah, anything. Yeah, I'm thinking pineapple. Nope, that works. Um, no, no cheese. Nope, that works. Um, uh, milk. Mm, I mean, I bacon milkshake. That would be weird, but I'd dry it. <laughs> I just I can't think of it. <laughs> what. What does it go up? Like you could wrap your cell phone in bacon and crunch on it. It probably tastes okay. It I, tastes I, I, delicious, I, man. Delicious. Uh, best cell phone I've ever had. Yes, this is fantastic. Uh, bacon Jello. Oh hell, I'd try that. I mean, why not? I mean, I don't. I'm not. A, we talked about this with the Thanksgiving recipes. How they were putting everything in gelatin. Remember, there was the one Thanksgiving recipe from the '50s where they took all the leftovers and threw it into aspect and put it in a mold, and it was like you know Jello with turkey bits and stuffing and everything in it. That would be a little. But you know. I'd try anything once, I guess, except for that banana ham cheese casserole thing that we talked about. That was just too weird. Um, anyway, um, what uh, what what else is on your mind, Mister? Must to turn them off. It's too distracting. Uh, I think we should go back to some of the stuff we're talking about, like in the break there, because everybody get to hear it. Like talking, uh, you know, what's the what the war? What's the good, what's the, the like war the over war potatoes and, like and rice? Yeah, the fair like, look, our war is potatoes and rice. I do not understand this concept of how you can have anything other than mashed potatoes. And this this thing that people are, this, this, this virus that is leaking into my family for people that want rice. And I, it has not been there from the beginning, and I don't know who you are. Somebody stole Michelle. She's been replaced by an alien pod. I don't know what happened. <laughs> it's mashed potatoes and gravy, Mike. It is not mashed potatoes and rice. It is mashed potatoes and gravy. There is a full-on civil war split in the family at the table right now with this one. So it is a, you know, like I said, the break. we've reached an armistice. We just make both. We've accepted that. It's the 11th hour of the 11th day, and we're going to have mashed potatoes and rice. The shower so. family civil war over. Now, I guess Dude. here's my question is, is the right, is it just plain rice or is it savory, wild, you know, no, long grain rice? Is it what? Plain rice. It's it's, it's plain. not even like a fancy fried rice. It's just plain rice. It's just like plain minute. It's just like minute rice. We just put it in the bowl, and there you go. That's oh, it will never be minute rice. Michelle would know. She makes fresh rice, you know, with the stuff and all that. But it's just still. I just I can't, I can't rice is wonderful in in certain things, but. Okay, so you know every family's got their thing, right? So that that for us, it's going to be the battle between mashed potatoes and rice. For, yeah, 
Turkey Day. Well, Christmas. Okay. Well, I mean, I will tell you that, you know, I love love a good turkey. In fact, we had two Thanksgivings this year. We had Thanksgiving on Thursday and on Saturday because we were we had some people missing, so we did it twice. That was amazing. Um, And uh, but for Christmas for my family, it's always got to be the ham. We always have to do this big Christmas, full bone in ham shame. I mean, just a big full pig butt right there, brown sugar bourbon. Uh, glazes, you know, cut down, big, thick slice. Um, just something about a Christmas ham, uh, that is, uh, is amazing. And that's from my, my father started that. And I don't know if his dad did it or not. My dad's in the chat room. Maybe he can comment on it, but we started that when I was, I mean, I remember that from when I was a kid, it was just so delicious, a big brown sugar, sugar, bourbon ham, uh, with clove, a little clove, a little dry mustard. And, uh, Carving that thing up on Christmas Day, ooh, such a such a good flavor. It, it is wonderful, but I'll tell you too, Mike. I something that is there's two amazing things: the ham, like the next day or overnight, sneaking in the fridge. The cold ham, once it's been you know put away and there's leftovers, if there are leftovers, sneaking those pieces of ham out is like a it's like it's like an addiction, right? You can't help yourself. You get up and sleepwalk and take the ham out of the fridge. And then the other thing, so this is one I kind of forgot about, but Michelle makes this with the leftover turkey every year. So Mikey and I, again, we're back to this German shepherd like we're drooling. Um, as we know that when we have the turkey, that the, the next day or two, we're going to get turkey rolls. Michelle makes these turkey rolls. She wraps in like a crescent roll and she smashes, you know, chops up a turkey with onions and a whole bunch of other spices. And then she wraps it all up in that and makes it like this, this uh, I don't know what you call it, but a roll, right? With all the turkey stuff and everything all in the middle and then coats it with some kind of spice thing on the outside. And then you know, we slather on like mushroom gravy she makes for that in the follow on days. And it's just like, oh, uh, man, it's like, I can almost like I can benchmark our New Year's Eve celebration that like I benchmark my days. I'm like that day, is, you know, is turkey. That day is turkey rolls. It's like goodness gracious. Yeah. So, yeah, yep. we get one extra one she makes after the, the turkey rolls. But the ham, those spiral hands, man, they are. Yeah. They are to die for. Well, it's, it's right. not. I want to be on. I want to be clear for those of you who are listening. It's not a spiral ham. It is a whole bone-in ham. You got to carve it yourself. You got to put the check marks in it. You got to crisscross it. You got to pack all the brown sugar and bourbon mixture down into the cuts you've made with cloves at the centers and everything. It's still, and you're right. When it's done cooking, it always renders off this delicious slurry of brown sugar with that bourbon flavor inside of it and everything. And that's like a, it's like a sauce at the end. So when we pack away the leftovers, all the sliced ham into Ziplocs, then we take the gravy stuff, the, the brown sugar mix, and we pour it into the bags. So when you pluck that out in the morning at 2 a.m. because you got up because you were thinking about it, it's just... <laughs> Oh, man, it is so freaking good. So amazing. Oh, I got to go to the bathroom. Why yeah. are you going downstairs? Because I like that one better. Yeah, I like that bathroom better. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, it's great. And speaking of turkey leftovers, we always do the Dickens sandwiches afterwards, which is, you know, like a good bread. Or you can even, we've done the stuffing where you put the stuffing in a waffle maker and you crisp the stuffing like a patty of bread and you make a sandwich out of it with the turkey and Havarti, a little cranberry sauce, a little gravy, some mashed potatoes, all on a sandwich. Shut up. That's just take my money right there. That is a take my money moment right there. 
We'd I'm bo- sure I'll throw one more out that is cranberry sauce. I always grew up on the stuff like, you know, down south, told Michelle, like now she's taught me over the years of your fresh vegetables and how you steam them. And they're so much better. I grew up, you know, south where it was all like everything was canned, like Popeye's, right? It was a canned, mushed, boiled spinach and broccoli. And it was all nasty and mushy and, ugh, you know, and then you realize, oh, wait, when you cook it right, this stuff is fantastic. Well, always had the uh, cranberry sauce in a can, right? Came out in that big, look like a big thing of jelly, go poop, you know, you take your little, you know, spoonful of it, whatever. Well, Brittany and Michelle over the last few years have been making fresh cranberry sauce. Yes. While it is an, an adjustment to taste because it is tart and very, very strong, it the flavor from it is amazing yeah. because the canned stuff is like, yeah, it, it's uh, it's like sea rations. Yeah, we make our own. We make our own cranberry sauce. My daughter made up a cranberry sauce this year with a bit of orange in it. Uh, so it was cranberry orange. It was so delicious. Yeah. yeah, so so good. Absolutely amazing. So maybe the recipe that Michelle should put up on the website is the is the turkey rolls uh, instead. That maybe so want the turkey roll one too. So yeah. You put them both up. We'll get votes on both of them. It'll be it'll be uh, it'll be amazing. All right, we're down to the last sixty seconds. Mike Showers, last final thoughts for this week here as we go. I I like where we're headed right now, Mike. This is like I said, this is my favorite time of year. Um, I you know as the saying goes, goodwill on earth, peace towards men, or you know, et cetera, et cetera. I forget if that's exactly how it goes, but I've had three cups of coffee, so my brain's firing off in about twelve directions right now. But. Um, this is my favorite time of the year. Hopefully, looking at your schedule. You said your last day is the 20th? The 20th, yeah. Okay, so if hopefully you... we can have a couple more chats and talk about movies and Christmas time stuff and all the other good things. But I really do, um, I, 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 with you, I'm going to pivot and stay on nice, friendly <laughs> um, topics and, and be happy for a month. That's what, it's we all we can do. Be Let's be happy for a month. That's all we can do right now. We're just enjoying it's the heck get, out of it. Yeah. It'll be contentious enough by January of next year once we get back to the other stuff. But in the meantime, you know, for the next month, folks, let's just enjoy it. Let's tell some funny stories and things we love about this. And all right. We, it's cool to be human. Got to go. Folks, thanks so much. We'll see you tomorrow. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I'm desperately trying to find guests for like slice of life stuff because that's all I want to do right now. I don't even care. We had a great guest in the last hour and uh, we're going to continue doing that tomorrow. We're going to talk about some healthcare stuff, how people can get healthcare. It's not political. It's just, you know, kind of mechanical stuff, how people can do that. And it's going to be, it's going to be fun. It's going to be, it's going to be fun. So somebody just said, you're off the rails, Velveeta on brownies. I've actually had Velveeta brownies, and they are good. They are amazing. You put it in the brownie mix. I've also had blue cheese fudge. Have you ever had fudge with blue cheese in it? Blue cheese? I don't think I've had that. Oh, no. it is. It is. You go, well, that's weird. I love blue cheese, and I love fudge, but, you know, oh, man, it is so amazing. It's two tastes you'd never think you could put together. Um, I wouldn't, yeah. For yeah, sure. but they, it is amazing. Blue cheese fudge is uh, just awesome. All right, Mike, final thoughts. I give you the floor, my friend. You, you, yeah. you yeah. give, we'll put Michelle on there. Tell her, give her the floor. I'd be wondering. She's I, like, I am congested. I can't talk right now. I could, I could feel the rage coming at me from behind the screen. <laughs> is it, is it? But she did agree. I will say this. She did agree to put at least one of the recipes. Maybe she'll do both. I'll, I'll see what she wants to do. She said she would put them on the website for people to, to vote on. So she did agree to do that. So we have a win right there. Yeah. That's a win. Um, 
don't know, Mike. I said, I'm just going to stay positive right now. I'm not going to let anybody, I don't care who they are. I mean, I love this time of year and this is my time to be happy. This is my time to, like I said, go out. We do some charity stuff um, and some other things going on. I just, I just love this time of year, man. People smile more. They smile more in the store when you see them. There's just a lighter mood about things. It's just a, you know, it's a cool time. And so I'm gonna just going to sit back with you and talk about the cool stuff. And next week, maybe we'll sit and talk about our favorite movies and songs and stuff and, and whatnot. And, and uh, that's what I'm going to do like you for the next month and just kind of sit back and, uh, like I said, remember what it's like to be happy and, and what, it mat what matters most, family, friends, faith, you know, the stuff that makes it worth living, yeah. right? So that's it's a good time for that. Yeah, no, it's like, I, it's like I put on my bedroom wall, live, laugh, toaster bath. Oh, no, wait a minute. That's the other thing that I put. <laughs> uh, oh, man. We're yeah, just going to start every day off with just something fun. we got to do it. It's going to be it's going to be amazing. That's all we can do. Um, all right, Mike. Well, thank you so much for coming on board. Yeah. I mean, let me look at the calendar because um, the 20th is actually a Wednesday. So if you want to be on the last day of broadcast and we could talk stuff, you're 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 fine to do that. Uh, we got Wednesday the 6th and Wednesday the 13th. So if you want to come on the next three weeks, you're welcome to do so. I'll, I'll leave the invitation. I know I can probably hit a couple of those. We'll see how my other work schedule yep. goes. But I'm sure I can go you and we can have fun with the holiday stuff. That's what I want. That's what I want. All right, my friend. Thank you so much. It's good to see you. Uh, give right, every, give everybody care. my love. I'll see you later. Bye. See you guys. Bye-bye. Right. Mike Shower, I guess. All right, folks. That's it. Yes, blue cheese in a fudge I know it sounds weird it is amazing you can only have one or two pieces but it is amazing now I'm hungry for that I haven't had that in like six or seven years I'm gonna have to we're gonna have to look into that all right folks it is the end of the show we're back tomorrow Laura Edson be joining us I'm working on somebody else as well another guest we will see you tomorrow. Be kind, love one another, live well. Merry Christmas to all of you. Back with more bright and early tomorrow at 6 a.m. Have a great day, folks. We'll see you then.
we've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show. 